talk them anytime you want at your virtue restaurant. Welcome back, humans. In this week's episode, as I gave a hint last episode, we are going to look at the virtue of faith. And the menu title that I have given for this virtue is Light Lunch. And by that, I don't mean light as in weight. I mean light as in light that helps you see. So let's get started with where faith is talked about in the dialogue. What does God say to St. Catherine about faith? So this is going to start on page 93. And this is the section of the dialogue that's titled The Bridge. So on page 93, God says, But I will nothing less than your holiness. So at once they set about turning their backs on the way beneath the bridge and begin to mount the bridge. They cross through the thorns without being hurt. Because their feet, that is their affections, are shod with my will. This is why I told you that they suffer physically but not spiritually. Because their sensual will, which afflicts the pains, which afflicts and pains the spirit, is dead. Since they no longer have a selfish will, they no longer have this pain. So they bear everything with reverence, considering it a grace to suffer for me. And they want nothing but what I will. So to recap what I talked about last week... Catherine had uh, desired to grow in virtue. And she had discussed how once you realize your sinfulness, you come to your senses and you recognize how selfish you have been and how good God has been to you even in spite of that, then you desire to grow in virtue. And so God is explaining to her here how a person... Once they desire to grow in virtue and they they seek it from God, they seek help from God, God says to her, I will nothing less than your holiness. And so as they mount this bridge, which if you know anything about Catherine of Siena's bridge analogy, she says that Jesus is the bridge that we cross from earth to heaven. So as soon as people are turning their backs on selfishness and they're turning their face toward Jesus and seeking virtue, they no longer suffer the pain of their disordered affections weighing them down. And their disordered affections would be wanting to sin or loving sin or or wanting to, to be selfish and loving those selfish things. So now they're not weighed down by that kind of thing. God's explaining all of this to her. And then he says... It is indeed the truth, then, that these souls have a foretaste and guarantee of eternal life, even in this life. So he's saying they already are experiencing a foretaste of what heaven will be like. They're not weighed down by those sins anymore, because they will what I will. That's their experience. But then, God goes on to explain what it's like for people who don't do this. And he says, I have told you this so that you may better appreciate how the, those whose delusion I told you about taste the pledge of hell. So those who do not 
see their sinfulness and do not seek virtue and do not seek God, they're living in delusion. And those who have sought God are experiencing a foretaste of heaven in the same way those who are not focused on God and don't see their sinfulness, God is telling Catherine, they receive a taste of hell. God continues, now I will tell you the source of their delusion and how they receive this guarantee, this guarantee of a taste of hell. He's going to explain to Catherine how exactly they receive that. It is because they have blinded the eye of their understanding with the infidelity they have drawn over it through their selfish love. Just as all truth is gained by the light of faith, so falsehood and delusion are one through infidelity. When I speak of infidelity, I am referring to those who have received holy baptism. At their baptism, the pupil of faith was put into the eye of their understanding. So he means at baptism, they were given the gift of faith. When they reached the age of discernment, if they had exercised themselves in virtue, they would have kept the light of faith. Then they would have given birth to living virtues, producing fruit for their neighbors. Just as a woman bears a living child and presents it living to her husband, so they would have presented me, the sole spouse, with living virtues. But these wretched people do just the opposite. They reach the age of discernment when they ought to use the light of faith and give birth to virtues with the life of grace. Instead, they give birth to dead virtues. They are dead because all their actions, being done in deadly sin and bereft of the light of faith, are dead. They have, in fact, the appearance of holy baptism, but not its light, because they have blotted it out with the cloud of sin committed in their selfishness. And this cloud has covered over the pupil through which they used to see. Let's unpack that a little bit. What God is saying is those who have deluded themselves and not seeing their sin are especially those who have been baptized. Those who should know God and should be living according to his will, but they, they're not. And instead, they're living in deadly sin and all the works they do are dead. Why? Because of their selfishness. Again, that ties back to what we talked about in the episode on charity. Charity is unselfishness. Charity is going out of yourself to help another, to love another. And so again, God is saying, all sin derives from selfishness. And all the works that these people do, everything they do is dead. And they, indeed, are dead because of that selfishness. And we're going to pause right there, take a little break, and when we come back, we're going to unpack this further. I'll be right back. Okay, back from our break, we're going to continue unpacking what God is saying about those who have lost the light of faith and how their works are dead. So God says, they have, in fact, the appearance of holy baptism, but it is not light. No, sorry. 
They have, in fact, the appearance of holy baptism, but not its light. So you can see that they've been baptized on the outside, but they don't have its light. And its light is the gift of faith. They don't have faith. They have, in fact, the appearance of holy baptism, but not its light, because they have blotted out with the cloud of sin committed in their selfishness. So they were baptized, but now they're given into their selfishness, and they've gotten rid of that light. They've blotted it out. It's like putting a heavy curtain on a window to block the sunlight. And this cloud has covered over the pupil through which they used to see. So now they can't see clearly. They've become completely blinded. They've blocked out the light, and they're completely blinded. And then God says, of these whose faith is not carried out in actions, it is said that their faith is dead. Where have we heard that before? Hmm. The book of James, chapter 2, verse 26. James says, faith without works is dead. God is referring to that here. Of these whose faith is not carried out in actions, it is said that their faith is dead. And just as the dead do not see, so they with the pupil of their eye covered over, as I told you, do not see. They do not know that of themselves they are nothing. They do not recognize the sins they have committed, nor do they know my goodness to them, that I am the source of their very being and of every grace beyond that. Because they know neither me nor themselves, they do not hate their selfish sensuality. No, they even love it. And in seeking to satisfy their appetite, they give birth to dead children. That is, to a host of deadly sins. But me they do not love. And because they do not love me, they do not love their neighbors, whom I love. They take no pleasure in doing what pleases me. That is, the practice of virtue, of true and solid virtue. It is not for my own good that I am pleased when I see such virtue in you. You can be of no profit to me because I am who I am. He's quoting Exodus 3.14. And nothing is done without me except sin. And sin is nothing because it deprives the soul of me who am every good when it robs her of grace. So it is to your own profit to please me for I have everlasting life to reward you in myself. So God furthermore says to Catherine that when you blot out that gift of faith, you can't see clearly. And the main thing you can't see is your own selfishness, your own sinfulness. And instead, you glorify it. You love it. You say everything's just perfectly fine. You justify all of your actions. Why? Because you're blinded. You no longer have faith. It's gone. And the one most important thing that God wants us to do, that loving each other, loving other people, you don't do that. Because it's all about me. It's all about number one. That's the only person that really matters to hell with everybody else. No, in fact, you are the one who's going to hell by saying that. That selfishness has trapped you in yourself. And as God says, you already experience hell. You already experience a foretaste of hell. And then he furthermore says that when you practice virtue, when you do the opposite of that selfishness and you practice virtue, it's pleasing to God because it's good for you. 
It is not for my own good that I am pleased when I see such virtue in you, God says. No, you can be of no profit to me because I am who I am. And that's another thing I mentioned in previous episodes. You can't give anything to God. You can't take anything away from God. God is perfect. So all of the good that you do is for your benefit. Your practicing virtue is for your benefit, and that is what pleases God. Just as I said in a previous episode, that when you sin, it damages you, and that is what offends up to God. The hurt you are causing yourself and your neighbor is what is offensive to God. But when you practice virtue, then it's good for you and it's good for your neighbor, and that is pleasing to God. So God is is laying that out pretty clearly for Catherine and for us. And he says, nothing is done without me except sin. God gave you breath in your lungs. God gave you a world to live in. Everything you do is because God gave you the ability to do it, except for one thing, and that's sin. That's the one thing you do without God. And he says, and that's because sin is nothing. It deprives the soul of me, who am every good, when it robs her of grace. So when you sin and you deprive yourself of the life of God, of communion with God, then you become nothingness. Sin is nothingness. And you do not experience everlasting life. But then God continues, and he says, But the faith of these souls is dead. You see, because it is not carried out in action. Whatever they do profits them nothing for eternal life, for they do not have life, they have the life of grace. Still, good works should not be abandoned either with grace or without, because every good is rewarded and every sin is punished. The good that is done in grace without deadly sin is of value for eternal life. So when you do a good deed... When you practice virtue, and you're not in a state of deadly sin, then that rewards you eternal life. But the good that is done with the guilt of deadly sin is worth nothing for eternal life. So if you do a good deed, but you're in a state of mortal sin, it's not going to gain you eternal life, God says. Nevertheless, it is rewarded in other ways, as I told you earlier. Sometimes I lend them time, or I put them into my servants' heart, hearts, and because of their constant prayers, they escape from their sin and wretchedness. So what is God saying there? God is saying that these people are headed for hell because of their selfishness. They have cut themselves off from God. And hell, the definition of hell, is an eternal separation from God. So these people, that's where they're headed. But, when they do good work, in spite of their sinfulness, that is rewarded. They don't taste eternal life. They're not going to gain eternal life. But, God will put them in the hearts of his servants, he says. People who are practicing virtue, God will encourage to pray for them. God will encourage to do good things for them, to love them, to practice charity. Oh, there it is again. To practice charity toward them, 
God will inspire this. And because of that, they have a chance to escape the sin. And God also says, I lend them time. What he means by that is he gives them time to repent. Have you ever seen somebody who's just living a very immoral life? And they're in a plane crash, or they're in a car crash, or they get a horrible disease, but they survive it? That's God giving them time. God could have let them die. And if he had let them die in that state of mortal sin, guess what? They'd go to hell. But God gives them time. God, in his infinite mercy, gives them time. Time to repent. Time to recognize their sinfulness and turn back to him. Because God desires their salvation. As he said on the previous page, I will nothing less than your holiness. God does not will your detriment or your damnation. God wills your holiness. And he will seek to achieve it by any means necessary. So, we'll continue with where God closes this, closes this out, and he says, Sometimes they are not open to receive either time or prayer as a way to grace. Such as these I reward with material goods. Treating them like animals, one fattens before lending them to slaughter. Such as these have always resisted every approach of my goodness. They do some good, however, though not in grace, as I said, but in sin. They were unwilling in these actions of theirs to receive either time or prayer, or any of the other ways in which I called to them. But my goodness wants to reward them nonetheless for those actions, for this bit of service they have rendered. So while I reproach them for their sins, I reward them with material things. This makes them grow fat, but if they do not change their ways, they will end in eternal punishment. God makes that very clear. You can see a lot of people out there who have no real faith, but they try to do good, God will reward that. God is not stingy. He'll say, yes, you have done good. I will reward it. But nevertheless, if you don't turn to him, he says, you will end in eternal punishment. That's how important faith is. To close out this episode, that's how important faith is. Faith allows you to see clearly your own sin, how it's damaging you and how it's damaging other people. And faith allows you to clearly see that you need to change that, that you need to turn yourself back to God, that you need to repent, and you need to begin practicing virtue. We need this gift of faith. If we don't have this gift of faith, we can get on that fast track to hell, that highway to hell. We don't want that. That's why faith is so important. Faith is not just some nice, fluffy... Virtue that's like, oh, well, you know, I believe in things I can't see. I believe in God even though I can't see him. Well, that's one definition of faith, but that's, that's not really what faith does for you. Faith allows you to change your life and become a better person and live for eternity in heaven. Okay, so we're going to close there, and I am going to, again, as I said, 
close every one of these episodes with a look ahead at next week. Our next episode will be on the virtue of hope. Another essential virtue in order for us to live good lives and end up in heaven. Thank you for listening. Please share this with anybody that you know needs to hear it or may want to hear it. And I hope you have a very, very blessed day. Y'all come back now, you hear?